Welcome to Songs and Stories, the Not For Musicians Only music podcast. Then welcome once again to Songs and Stories. My name is Michael Gaither, and this is Songs and Stories, episode number fifty-three. This time out, I've been out of podcasting range for a while, and if you're wondering, no, I haven't been on hiatus. I've just been busy with other things. I think the last couple of episodes I posted were episodes fifty-one and fifty-two, my chat with Ansi McLean from the Trailer Park Troubadours, and that was about a month ago. But uh, I've been a little busy with some band stuff. We had a couple of shows, and really, to be honest, I've been busy with the the job that pays for this job is as as I've come to coin the uh, the day job. But I'm back on track. I should be doing these every couple of weeks from now until things get busy on the outside world again. And I think for these next couple of shows, I want to focus on two kind of cool aspects of songwriting. Um, in a couple of weeks, we'll be talking with Arthur Godfrey about the craft of songwriting and how to write a good short song. But today, in this episode, we're going to talk to one of my favorite songwriters, uh, Chuck Brodsky, who's really well known for writing story songs in a real, you know, straightforward narrative form. I'm listening to Chuck for years, and about a month ago, a month ago? Yeah, it was about a month ago. I got to open for him at the Mission City Coffee Roasting Company in Santa Clara, California. So I did a short set, Chuck did a couple of sets, and um, he was doing a Bay Area run, so we got together on a Sunday afternoon and talked about you know some of his influences and really about the art of the story song and kind of his approach to songwriting. Chuck's been recording since 1995 with his debut release of Finger Painter's Murals. He's done about five or six other records since then, including one called The Baseball Ballads, which is a collection of story songs about unsung heroes of baseball, which is a very cool listen. His latest release is called Two Sets, and if you've never had the opportunity to see Chuck live, this is a really good chance to see what all the fuss is about. It's really, like the title says, two sets of music, as you'd probably experience Chuck Brodsky in a live setting. It's recorded live, and it's he has a, a bass player and some harmony accompanying him, but for the most part, it's just Chuck talking about his songs. So let's hear a couple of things from that. Let's hear Take It Out Back, and let's hear Letters in the Dirt from... Um, two sets and then we'll talk with Chuck Brodsky about the art of the story song. Ashes from the wood still filling up the bucket, spilling out the top so where am I gonna chuck it? Dig it out the back door to where I never mow. Find a little spot that no one will ever go Gonna take it out back, dump it in the river Take it out back and throw it in the woods Take it out back and chuck it down the hillside we'll Keep the front yard looking good never booed Richie Allen And I never understood why people did He had a homer every time he stepped up to the plate That's what I remember as a kid (laughs) 
Richie in the field out there by first base The target of some mighty foul words With his shoes he'd scrawl between the pitches Boo, great big letters in the dirt here in the Bay Area and about how long were you out here for? Well I came out in 1981. Uh-huh. Um, I hitchhiked out here kind of for the adventure of it. I mm-hmm. didn't plan on staying. I just thought I'd come out, check it out, head back east. And, and you wouldn't take the bus money from your mother no, for that story? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I ended up staying 15 years. I didn't plan on it. But, yeah. uh one thing led to another. I fell in with friends and mm-hmm. uh, was offered some work and found a place to live, and next thing I know, 15 years had passed, mm-hmm. but uh, I've been living on the East Coast now in North Carolina the mm-hmm. last 15 years, and yeah, come out here once a year now. Mm-hmm. That's great. And I think my friend Dave Rhodes, who came down to the show Friday, I think you, he remembered you from the Felton days. Oh, yeah. And um, Dave's eyes. actually one of my oldest and best friends, and he's... He's the guy that got me going to Strawberry, and so anything that I've done musically on this on this weird path that I've gone, I always partially you know blame him for, which is great. <laughs> but um, I think the first time I heard you was at Strawberry because they were everybody was saying, "There's this guy Chuck Brodsky singing this song, No More Mr. Nice Guy and Blum, but you got to go see him." So those songs seem to resonate most with people because they're funnier, and then you go off in the more narrative stuff or. The people like different things. People like different things. Yeah. Um, you know, the K-Pig audience, I think, would gravitate towards a song like No More Mr. Nice Guy. And yeah. I know K-Pig played that song heavily mm-hmm. when the album that's on first came out. Mm-hmm. And a funny thing actually happened with Strawberry and that song. Mm-hmm. The, the one and only time I've ever played at Strawberry, mm-hmm. I played, I think, the first set of the day. And I was warned that I should expect Empty Blankets. Right, right. You know, I would just be playing to a field of empty blankets, yep. but that, not to worry, people would be listening in the campground. Mm-hmm. But strategically, because I knew that K Pig had been playing No More Mr. Nice Guy, mm-hmm. I decided to open with it. And that oh. made people in the campground it's that realize, guy. oh, it's that, it's guy. that guy. Oh, and. Smart. You know, within five minutes, they were all streaming up. That's great. And, you know, by my second or third song, the theater was full. Right. So it was it was kind of cool. Good, to, good set list on your part. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm. great. Um, a lot of your songs are real, often have a real strong narrative beginning and end. Um, what were kind of your influences and kind of, do you recall back, I think your first song was the Angel song? One of your first The songs. oldest one that I still play. It wasn't one of my first. Yeah. But I'd been writing for a lot of years, but yeah. I didn't keep any of that old mm-hmm. stuff before that. Yeah. Um, the story songs, I, I'd i say I would probably was influenced most of all by um, some of the early Bob Dylan mm-hmm. songs that were very much in that story vein. Mm-hmm. And old traditional folk music. Um, just the idea of that story ballad, it goes back, uh, you know, few hundred years mm-hmm. really yeah um, i just have always been attracted to that partly because there's less emphasis on form i think uh-huh. you know the 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 typical pop song has got to have you know an a part a b part a bridge a chorus and back to the a part you know there's a whole formula right and right. it's it's very tight and you really have to follow that formula if you have any hopes for having any commercial success so mm-hmm. not caring about that it freed me up and uh, story songs just seem like something 
that uh, I could write without caring about some of those rules and write more from my heart mm-hmm. and, and, and what you wanted to say. What I wanted about. to say, yeah. And I think it allows you to be as, as descriptive as you want to. I know when I've done mm-hmm. that, when I was first starting to write, I had a friend of mine that was helping me out, and I wrote a song about my dad, and um, he was a construction worker, and I had I had too many verses, and a friend of mine said, "It's a folk song." You can have four verses in a bridge. Just put the whole thing in. Don't cut it. <laughs> and I left it alone. Four verses would be my shortest song. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about a couple of these. I think um, I think the first song that really resonated with me is because I was born and raised here in Watsonville, um, La Migra Viene. Mm. Talk about that a little bit. Well, I picked a lot of fruit mm-hmm. uh, when I was younger. I picked uh, oranges for several years and then I went up to Wenatchee, Washington to pick apples mm-hmm. and all the people that I worked with were illegals from yeah. Mexico and um, you know, they had to worry about the immigration police coming around which in mm-hmm. Spanish is La Migra yeah. and uh, we always had an eye out for La Migra and if anybody ever saw them drive up the driveway to the orchard which did happen a few times um, we'd whistle and everybody would run Mm-hmm. Uh, scatter and disappear into the trees and come back out half hour later after La Migra was gone. So would you ever whistle back when they were gone or they would just kind of like come out on their own? they just come out on their own. Yeah. They knew the routine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming you're a baseball fan. Big baseball fan, yeah. <laughs> My team won the World Series this year. It was a good year. It was. Yeah. Um, so, so for the baseball songs, I'm imagining you're doing a, you do a lot of research because the amount of detail you get, you probably couldn't just get it from a casual conversation. What's involved in a song like Letters in the Dirt? Well, of all my baseball songs, that one there is the most personal one. Mm -hmm. Um, It involved a little bit less research than some of the others just because it was a subject that was very personal for me. And and the song really is more about the relationship with uh, between my dad and me Mm -hmm. than it is about this ball player named Richie Allen. Mm -hmm. Um... The whole point of the song is that my dad taught me um, to root for the home team and not boo the local players, even though this guy was being booed by the hometown fans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were racial reasons for that that I was too young to understand, but all that mattered to me at the time was that he was playing for the hometown team and you should cheer them. That's your job. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what you do. That's what you do. Yeah. Um, let me see, what else? So what's your, do you have a, a sort of a songwriting approach where you write every day? Do you kind of wait for inspiration or? I wait for inspiration. Yeah. Um, I just don't want to force anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes an idea that moves me mm-hmm. to get me going. And it also takes um, enough depth to that idea that. I can see it going somewhere, or I can see some relationships to explore, or some tension mm-hmm. between a couple of people or objects, what have you. Um, a lot of ideas I just reject right away now, after a, being a writer for years. I can mm-hmm. look at the idea and say, well, it's a neat idea, it's a sweet idea, or this, that. But, but it wouldn't carry for four minutes? Right. I, I could tell the whole thing in eight lines. There's yeah. nowhere else yeah. to take it. And I'm better at recognizing that now than I used to be, so I don't waste mm-hmm. time trying to write something and then having to force something. If there's nothing there to begin with, you can't force it. There's yeah. just nothing there, or not enough there. So and it's probably a, probably a matter of writing for someone years and just developing a really good filter. Mm. Yeah. You know, I call it my so what test. Hmm. It has to pass the so what yeah. test. What a great... This is a great... So what? 
yeah. yeah. I mean, it does definitely lots of things fall under that. So what category um, is it going to be interesting enough to listen to? And I figure I'm a typical listener. If, mm-hmm. if it's something that is going to wear thin on me, it's probably going to wear thin on uh-huh. the next person, too. It kind of probably goes back to the idea of just writing for yourself. If it's going to amuse you for four and a half minutes or so, then other people might like it, too. And if not, so what? That's how I feel. I'm writing basically for myself to perform these songs myself. Um, It's always a thrill when somebody else likes my song enough to want to perform it or want to record it. But Mm -hmm. I'm not writing for other people to to sing these songs. I'm writing them for me to sing. And so... You know, have less uh, less to worry about. Less, yeah. to, less. And probably too, if you're going to write and record this thing and you're going to play it, you want it to be something you don't mind playing several times a week for the next several years. <laughs> if you don't like it in the first place, you're going to get sick of it. If you don't like it. Oh, if I didn't like it in the first place, I would never play it the first time yeah. publicly. You know, I I won't sign my name to something I don't mm-hmm. really like. Yeah. You know, then I won't carry it forward into the world and you know s- sing it publicly if I don't really like it. That mm-hmm. that's the prerequisite right there. Yeah. I have to be proud of it. I have to feel like I did a good job with this song. It has to be something that is enjoyable to sing and play. And if any of those elements are missing, then it's not going to survive. Mm-hmm. It either needs more work or I'll drop it. Yeah. Do you find yourself going back to sort of some of the ideas and pulling maybe a lyric out for something else? No, not I, too much. I don't. I have kept, you know, piles and piles and piles of lyrics, thinking that someday I'll get back to this one, or someday I'll, I'll pick this up and finish it, or you know, that's a good line, or those are four good lines. I ought to save them and use them mm-hmm. in some other song someday. But the reality is, I have never gone back to any of these and yeah. found anything of use. I. I they may look like good lines, and I may save them, but I really don't ever use mm-hmm. them. I've kind of found with, with lines like that, and it's it's so hard to keep track of what I've written when you have when you have when you end up with binders and notebooks full of stuff, yeah. and you you find a good line, and like, don't want to spend the time like organizing all these old things, or just work on new stuff, which yeah. is usually more fun. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Plus, you're not um, you know I may not necessarily even grasp the context of what I was. Uh, what I meant in the first place when I wrote those lines mm-hmm. if I come back to it two years later that's true so I have no idea where my head what was at what was out. I doing when I wrote this yeah, yeah. What, what did I think I was writing yeah, yeah they, they, they may appear to mean something completely different today and that's fine too but uh, there's no way I can plug back into the headspace I was in I could see yeah I, I, I can correlate because I, I you know I have piles of these little spiral notebooks that I keep and I've gone through if I'm if I haven't written for a while, I'll go back and I'll look at my ideas that I wrote like a year ago, and I'll what was going on with this, and what did I mean by what is this, what word is this that I scrawled out? And for me, I think it's just I I, I tend to keep the notebooks just to kind of keep that channel open, so some, some, when something good does come along, I can go with it. But but going back and revisiting old lyrics, yeah, not so much. Well, if I have you know two three solid verses, mm-hmm. then I may come back. Maybe all it needs is one verse. Maybe it just needs a way out. Mm-hmm. You know, a punchline, an or exit, something. Yeah. or something, or just a way of wrapping it all up and a, yeah. and a graceful way to leave. Um, and and so sometimes, sometimes I will finish something like that. But if it's just a matter of four lines or eight lines or two lines, no, I I would tend to just move throw on. it away and move on. Yeah, probably good good advice. 
Um, one last question. You talked about this. The, the story's probably on this CD, but you talked about it on Friday. The the, the letter that came af- after Take It Out Back, yeah. the person that didn't get the irony. Can you talk about that song a little bit? And Actually, if you call, recall where it possibly came from. And um, Well, I wrote it because of where I used to live in North Carolina, mm-hmm. um, up on a mountainside, pretty far out into the country, about a half an hour from the nearest town. And... Um, the people that lived around me typically dumped their garbage or mm-hmm. large appliances down the hillsides behind their homes. And you see it here, too. You probably see it everywhere. Oh, you yeah. do. You do. And so I was lampooning that. Um, and I, the song was meant it was, it was as a, irony. It wasn't a how-to song. It no. wasn't procedural. This no. is how you take a washer and throw it down the hill. You know? <laughs> I mean, that's the beauty of irony, though, is that, that it sounds like you mean it. Yeah. Except that it's so overstated that you couldn't possibly mean it. Right. And yet, every now and then, somebody just doesn't get it. Yeah. Or they're not listening carefully enough, and they think you're being serious. And so that's exactly what happened. The song was recorded by a bluegrass band mm-hmm. who got an irate email from somebody who heard <laughs> them sing it and could not believe that they were actually... Um, Standing up and singing a song that uh, recommended that people <laughs> dump their garbage in rivers and yeah. hillsides. This is not a problem to dispose of your used equipment. <laughs> Have you got any kind of response with um, Blow em Away as well, or is people t- t- tend to get that because it's pretty much over the top? Uh, I have had a few occasions yeah. where that also provoked um, some surprisingly negative Yeah. Responses because I think that song is so over the top that mm-hmm. you couldn't possibly not get it. That's but why it's so funny. You know, are you and, ev- and everybody's had that impulse, but common sense always prevails. No, I'm not going to take out a gun and and shoot this car. But you know, we you know we all have our animal side to us, and everybody's thought that. <laughs> you know? Well, have you ever heard of a program called West Coast Live with Serge yeah. Thompson? Yeah, I was on that show like 17, 18 years ago when I still lived in the Bay Area, and I played that song. And as soon as I finished, said came back out onto the stage with the microphone to interview me, and the first words out of his mouth were, I have to tell you, I really don't like that song. <laughs> In front of the live audience, everyone was just stunned and <gasps> breathless. Yeah. And, you know, what can you say? What do you do when the host doesn't get it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah... Throw up your hands. Yeah. Sorry. Say, oh, well. You know, I'll sing something else next time. <laughs> Funny. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Cool. Well, um, appreciate the time. It's sure. good. It was a great opening for you. I was going to go to the show anyway, but it was kind of... I think I walked up on stage and I said, I get to play and see Chuck Brodsky. It's a good night. <laughs> so, so we'll see you next year when you come out. Good. It's great. good to hear you, too. Take a look with the new CD. Thanks. Thanks. One thing I've learned to appreciate doing this interview series is learning how every songwriter has their own little collection of tips and tricks and habits to move their craft along. Chuck, in this interview, talked about his so what filter. Basically, he starts a song, and if it doesn't pass his so what test, he doesn't continue with it. Uh, Way back in one of my early podcasts, I talked to Texas songwriter Darden Smith, and Darden had the opinion that, um, what was the quote? Songs are like furniture. You have to start them and get in the habit of finishing them as well. Me, I tend to just pack rat every little nugget and piece of songwriting idea that I get into lots and lots of notebooks and note cards, and and when I stumble across an idea that seems to go, I run with it. 
but uh, I like Chuck's idea of the so what filter. You don't waste time that way. Uh, a couple of things. Um, also, I wanted to mention that uh, there's a piece of advice that Chuck gave. It's really kind of basic songwriting advice, but you can really lose sight of it quite easily. Basically, write for yourself. You know, if you can't write a country love song, don't do it. If you can't write a pop song or you don't want to, don't do it. But if you want to write songs about tossing a washing machine down a hill, you know, to state some irony, or if you want to write about one of your baseball hero icons, do it, you know, because the, the idea is you're writing for yourself, and ideally you'll share it with other people, and if you do that, you'll be playing this song many, many times over many years, so you want to write something that you want to share with people. Uh, so that was Chuck Brodsky. Again, the new CD is called Two Sets, and um, it's really a good look at what Chuck sounds like live, and a lot of the stories I realized that, that I was talking about in this interview are actually things he explains on the CD, so if you want to hear more about Richie Allen, or you want to hear the letter that um, was written to him complaining about the song Throw It Out Back, uh, pick up two sets. It's a great CD, and it's, it's, it's really a, a nice collection of songs. One thing I forgot to mention at the beginning of this is there are links to go with this episode on my website at michaelgather.com. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com. Go over there, look for uh, Songs and Stories, episode number 53, and there'll be some links to uh, to Chuck, to lyrics. Um, I'll find a link to Richie Allen as well if you want to learn a little bit more about him. So this was Songs and Stories, episode number 53. I'm Michael Gaither, and if you have any comments about this episode, you can email me, michael at michaelgaither.com. Again, that's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com. So again, this episode focused on mostly story songs. Coming up in a couple of weeks, we'll be talking with Arthur Godfrey and really talking about um, Arthur's sort of like five or six rules for writing a good, quick song, and uh, I think you'll enjoy it. So check back on the website in a couple of weeks, and we'll talk to you next time on Songs and Stories. Thanks for your time. Take care. <laughs>